The news out of Egypt has not been good recently. Last week, the military cracked down violently on protesters. You can see video of the military firing live ammunition into a crowd. Hundreds of people have been killed, maybe more than a 1,000. The military brought out Apache helicopters to fly over the protests, and Apache helicopters, they're made here in the United States. The Egyptian military also uses American-made tanks, fighter jets, bullets. There's, there's, there's a certain anger which arises from when you go to, to a protest and you're being attacked by American weapons. This is Simon Hanna, a British-born Egyptian journalist. He's been to protests over the past few years where the military has gotten violent. Egyptian protesters are a pretty diverse group. Some are liberal and secular. Others, the ones who have come under attack more recently, are much more religious. But Hannah guesses they probably feel the same way about the weapons the Egyptian military is using. You pick up the shells and you see that they're, they're made in America. In your own country, you're being attacked with, attacked, you know, with American weapons. This obviously creates a lot of, a lot of anger, a lot of anti-American sentiment. Um, and I think a lot of people in Egypt, um, you know, want to see an end to this. And now a lot of Americans want to as well. Powerful Americans like Senator John McCain. Here's a recent appearance he made on CNN. They have orchestrated massacres, you know, a thousand or and many thousands uh, wounded. For these reasons, says McCain, America should stop handing over the $1.5 billion it gives to Egypt each year, the vast majority of which, $1.3 billion, goes to the Egyptian military. In polls, a majority of Egyptians would like to see an end to American military aid. A growing number of voices in the United States, like John McCain, are calling for an end to this aid. There's a strong case that by U.S. law, we are obligated to stop providing this aid, since the military was involved in the recent overthrow of the popularly elected president in Egypt, and we're not supposed to give aid to militaries that overthrow the presidents. And yet, so far at least, the aid continues. Hello and welcome to Planet Money. I'm Alex Bloomberg. And I'm Julia Simon, a freelance reporter. And Julia, you're a friend to the program here. You've been on the podcast several times before, and you used to be based in Egypt. Yeah, I did for more than two years. And you're joining us today because today we're going to talk about why it is so hard to stop giving $1.3 billion a year to the Egyptian military, a group that's killed its own citizens, helped oust an elected president, and taken actions that most experts believe here in the United States increases the risk of Islamist violence and undermines America's national security. So, Julia, when you lay it out, there are basically three reasons the United States finds it hard to stop giving the Egyptian military money. Reason number one is guys like this. The aid that we give to Egypt is coming back to the U.S. and keeping um, 30 of my people working. This is Bruce Barron, president of Barron Industries, a small business in Oxford, Michigan. And the first thing you have to understand about the aid we give to Egypt, it doesn't actually go to Egypt. Pretty much all of the $1.3 billion goes to military contractors in the U.S. who make the weapons the Egyptian military is buying. And buying, I guess, would be in air quotes because, you know, if I give you $10 and tell you, hey, you can buy anything you want with that money as long as it's something I make and agree to sell to you, are you actually buying it? But semantics aside, the point is all the money we give to the Egyptian military by law has to be spent in America. Yeah, and some of that $1.3 billion gets spent at Barron Industries. They make parts for the M1A1 Abrams tanks that we give to Egypt. And Barron says the U.S. military itself used to buy a lot of these tanks, but they've been cutting back recently, a lot. And it's impacted his workforce. He used to have 115 employees. 
Um, because the, uh, the U.S. Army procurement is down to very low levels, we're actually down to 57 employees today. Uh, so you went from having 115 employees in 2011 to 57 today? We, we did. It's really just a, a product of the um, reduction in, in defense spending for ground-based uh, armored vehicles, uh, especially on the tank side. So the Egypt order, I think, for a lot of folks was um, sort of a saving grace. A saving grace he and other subcontractors don't want to lose. That's partly why Barron says the past few years in March, he and other small business owners have gone to Capitol Hill at the invitation of the larger contractor, General Dynamics. We usually take that opportunity to go and make visits to our, our, our congressmen and let them know, you know, of our support for some of these programs and also the impact that these programs have on uh, uh, employment in, in their state and in their, in their region. So U.S. jobs and industry, that's the first reason it's hard to stop giving the Egyptian military money. The second reason, our own military readiness. Now, to understand this line of reasoning, listen to this exchange at an event held at the American Enterprise Institute a couple weeks ago. The Army Chief of Staff, Ray Odierno, he's a general, pretty high up, he's giving a speech. And in the speech, he mentions that the U.S. military might be reducing its purchases of certain weapon systems. At the end, he sticks around for questions. Thank you. Our last question is right here. Hi, thank you very much. John Schwenk with BAE Systems. John Schwenk from BAE Systems, a military contractor, raises a concern that you hear a lot from military types. If you phase down certain weapon systems, you being the U.S. military, then the highly skilled workforce that makes those weapons, they leave and find new jobs in other industries. So if there comes a time when you want to ramp those weapon systems back up, it's hard because all the workers you need are scattered all over the place, working in other jobs on other stuff. And obviously for companies such as mine, that worries us for the impact on the defense industrial base as it potentially creates gaps in production lines and we lose skilled workers who would disperse and things like that. I'm curious if the Army is taking any steps to help uh, play advocate for international sales to help keep those lines alive and thus benefiting the Army so that you don't have to pay to restart them later. So the idea here is even if the U.S. Army doesn't want these tanks now, they might want them in the future, so it's good if we can sell them to other countries to keep the supply base intact. Now, the logic here is not universally embraced. I talked to one military expert who said, particularly when it comes to the weapons we send to Egypt, mostly it's stuff that our own military isn't using much anymore, and it's hard to imagine a scenario in the future where there'd be a need to suddenly start making a whole bunch of it again. But General Odierno, in response to this question, said, yes, we do want to use foreign military sales as a way of keeping domestic supply lines intact. Every trip I go on, uh, and uh, many of our discussions with our allies, we absolutely talk about this on a regular basis. So for me, that's a key part of our strategy going forward, is trying to make sure we are doing the best we can to increase foreign military sales, increase uh, the use of U.S. military equipment in the international community. We reached out to the Department of Defense for some clarification. We wanted to figure out when Odierno is advocating for the continued sales of U.S. weapons, is he also talking about Egypt? But the DOD, they declined to answer our questions and referred us instead to the State Department. The State Department referred us back to the Department of Defense and declined to talk to us on the record for the story. But they do have a policy that you can see on the Internet that says that when they're making decisions about whether or not to approve one of these arms sales to a foreign country, they do consider the impact on U.S. industry and on the defense industrial base, among other factors. So, again, 
The reasons why it's hard to stop giving Egypt $1.3 million a year, we've covered two of the three reasons so far. One, jobs and contractors. Two, our own military supply base. And we arrive at reason number three, geopolitical stability. Many experts believe that the aid we give Egypt helps provide stability in the Middle East. In fact, the aid started shortly after the Camp David Accords between Israel and Egypt. And this aid is widely seen as one of the reasons the peace has lasted for more than 30 years. Jason Brownlee is a specialist in U.S.-Egyptian relations at University of Texas at Austin. The road to peace was paved with arms agreements and... The military aid provides a, uh, a real guarantee against a repeat of the 1973 war. We should also mention that because we're so close to Egypt's military, our military gets special privileges in Egypt. We get unlimited overflight rights for our planes. Our ships, when they pass through the Suez Canal, they go to the front of the line. Our nuclear ships in the canal, they don't get inspected. The Egyptian military helps us out in wars, like the Gulf War. The list goes on. Professor Brownlee says that the strategic benefits of the relationship with the Egyptian military far outweigh the $1.3 billion in military aid we give them each year. We're getting a good deal here. Former Republican Congressman Jim Colby, before he retired in 2007, was the chair of the House subcommittee that approves all the money we send to Egypt. He says when you add all these reasons together, it makes it hard to change anything. When you boil this all down, it really comes back to stability and continuity, keeping the systems the way they are. That's the way we've maintained peace and stability in uh, the region for the last several decades, and we think that's the best way we're going to be able to continue it. So it's kind of don't upset the apple cart. If it's been working, keep it working and just keep doing what you've been doing. But do you think it's working? Well, it is working in one sense. It's working in the in in that uh, there has not been war between Israel and Egypt. There has not been a conflict, uh, and we have a good relationship with the Egyptian uh, military. So it's working in that sense. But given everything that's happening with Arab Spring, no, I would say the whole system is kind of crumbling like a house of cards, and we really have to look at, at doing things in a different way. Interestingly, there's one reason you almost never hear for continuing the military aid to Egypt, and that is because the Egyptian military actually needs the weapons we provide them. In fact, we talked to a lot of experts who said the opposite is true. All those M1A1 tanks we're sending, Egypt already has plenty. Shana Marshall is a specialist in Middle Eastern militaries at George Washington University, and she says we've been sending Egypt tanks for decades now. We sent them over a 1,000 tanks, and they already had a couple thousand Soviet-era tanks to begin with. There's no conceivable scenario where the Egyptian army would need that many tanks um, short of an alien invasion. Robert Springborg, another military expert who works at the Naval Postgraduate School in Monterey, says, yeah, the Egyptian military can't find uses for all these tanks. Of the 1,000 M1A ones, we know uh, at least uh, 200, 250 uh, are essentially still sitting in boxes, have, have really never been used. They just put them straight in a warehouse? Well, uh, yeah, they're, they're crated up, uh, and uh, then they are put in deep storage, uh, and that's where they remain. Right now. Recently, the House of Cards, as Jim Colby put it, has crumbled to the point where the president of the United States has actually been forced to address this issue of military aid on the national media. Here is President Obama this morning on CNN. What we're doing right now is uh, doing a full evaluation 
of the U.S.-Egyptian relationship. We care deeply about the Egyptian people. Uh, this is a partnership that's been very important to us, in part because uh, of the peace treaty with Israel uh, and the work that's been done to uh, deal with the Sinai. Uh, but there's no, there's no doubt that we can't return to business as usual, given what's happened. We can't return to business as usual, Obama says. But when business as usual is what you've been doing for the past 30 years, it's hard to come up with something new. As always, we would love to hear what you think of the program. You can contact us at planetmoney at npr.org. You can also find us on Facebook and Twitter. I'm Julia Simon. And I'm Alex Bloomberg. Thanks for listening.